1: Welcome to Counter Charge. I am Ryan Munsell. I'm Brenton Williams. I'm Tom Annis.
2: And I am Jeremy Duval. Welcome. I'm so excited to be back here, Jeremy Duvall and the Scrying Gems. Plus Ryan. I always like to think of uh, uh and Tom as like my if if there was an R and B band of Kings of War meta analysis, it would be Jeremy Duvall and the Scrying Gems.
3: So <laughs> Three dudes, one mic, just dancing.
2: Uh-huh, like a doo-wop, you know. Uh, yeah, it's just, I don't know, makes me happy. So, But as you heard, I am surrounded by some great minds of the Kings of War hobby. Also, you know, a great mind himself, but also the chair of the Pacific Northwest, Ryan Munsell, where we are going to be holding Masters. And this episode, we're going to be talking a little bit of kind of pre-Masters hype. We have ryan here to talk a little bit about the venue of where masters is going to be held we'll talk a little bit best of the rest you know we had brenton and tom on a few months ago after the clash of king packs sort of thinking about where the meta was maybe going to go what changes you know that we were maybe going to see and we're going to sort of look at the meta today and going into masters and think about where we are now you know has anything happened that was a total surprise are some things in the meta stuff we felt like are kind of, okay, we get it. And then maybe we'll talk a little bit about who we suspect might do well, our armies, or what we're kind of expecting to see at Masters. But before we get into that, let's do a quick little hobby roundtable. Brinton, I know you've been hard, hard, hard at work taking the kid to the beach, but also painting. What's been on your hobby table?
3: I uh, shockingly am rushing to finish an army for Masters. My current sort of trajectory means I should not be painting in the hotel room the night before, but we'll see. Yeah, I'm getting ogres ready, uh, 100% mantic ogres for masters, uh, a big wankerish display board that we're going to drive up, and a whole bunch of other nonsense for that. I'm trying to do my best to place well in hobby with a full mantic army to see if it can be done, that you don't need to 3D print a bunch of stuff. You don't need $1,000 worth of Mercia resin, Ryan. (laughs) <laughs> to to do well in hobby that you can just knuckle down and and paint a bunch but I'm definitely underwater on it I'm I'm doing the up till two in the morning painting each night and painting on boring meetings at work etc
2: so yeah I'm right tough. there with you buddy I'm, I'm a, we're trying to we're like Brynn and I Brynn especially I've been really like oh I'm never gonna finish this and Brynn's been just like ultimate positivity hype man like you can do it like Tony, my, my personal Tony Robbins. But it's hard, I, man, when you have that much to do. I have no backup plan. So <laughs>
3: <laughs> it's just like I, I need to finish because if I don't, I'm screwed. Yeah. And it's, it's one of those where I'm finishing all the stuff I need to finish. And there's a couple big monsters left at the end. And just the time I have budgeted for the big monsters is shrieking. <laughs> so it's going to get down to some sort of like, yeah, I totally painted a, a dragon in a two days type of situation near the end. But I, I think I can still do it.
2: I think I've sacrificed, you know, originally I was like, okay, I'm going to do this. And then I'm going to have X amount of time for this. And I'm going to give all my neophytes tramp stamp tattoos. And all of that <laughs> stuff is slowly but surely been like go- going out the window. Oh. But...
3: All your, all your dreams get slowly all my, crushed.
2: All my hopes and dreams.
3: I said that, and then I was like sculpting a stupid cape on a goblin last night because conversions is in the paint rubric, Ryan, and I'm having to convert a bunch of stuff.
2: So, But it's go time now. You know, like you said, I have this episode, and then it will be like, okay, I told the rest of the host team, I'm like, I am painting, guys, so. We uh, got a a good firefight episode recorded the other day, which will probably come out after this one. So stay tuned for that. Uh, Other than that, it's, it's, it's go time. But uh, I did have a chance to get a good game in the other uh, last night with uh, Tom with one of the armies that he's maybe thinking about for masters and boy, was it nasty town. Um, What are you working on Tom? I know you've been kind of tweaking your list for masters, but is there any hobby hobby stuff you're trying, you need to finish or you looking good, pretty in in that area.
4: I've been super busy um, with the non-hobby stuff lately. Not not the least of which is my wife is due with our third child in two weeks. Somehow's allowing me to go to masters three weeks after. Oh man, that's birth. a lot of chips. A lot <laughs> of chips
2: are getting cashed in. <laughs>
4: no, I Yeah, I cash <laughs> it all in, <laughs> cash it all in, and going into debt. So I I am slowly but surely building my halflings. I probably was way too optimistic about how quickly I'm going to finish those. Um, but that that's still on the table. And then, you know, I almost disgusted myself um, picking up a, a secondhand ogre army for on the cheap and just, it's just sitting there tempting me to take it to masters. And I've been trying out a couple different things. I mean, it, you know, it, it flies well. It's, I don't care if it gets beaten up and, and, you know, they're so hot right now, so okay. I'm trying to see if I have any integrity to, to not take them. <laughs> uh, let's let's
3: get ogres above 50% of the field. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
4: So I, I have my undead, you know, still nasty, and I have Rordia, but given the amount of night stalkers I think will be there, I don't know if volley guns are the best idea in the world, and so um that's that's me i i'm i'm touching up the ogres a little bit that i i got secondhand and yeah that's pretty much i have to say now.
2: this just just this morning and like my my sunday morning therapy i had the show the doctor where the crocodogs touched me on the little doll <laughs> from my game last night with tom you know i just just so much trauma oh dude those things are legit oh man he just
4: yeah yeah they're like oh well nobody's running them they must not be that good they're overhyped and it's like, like i
2: was like i was I like don't... giving him the business right and then he's like okay this crocodile's gonna charge here this one's gonna charge here and it's like okay this crocodile killed the impaler regiment they're dead this crocodile oh i'm just gonna kill those glade soccer regiment they're dead too and it was just like your croc ate half my army bro <laughs> It was fun. I, I mean, I think it's a super nasty list, so I know whatever you're going to be bringing to Masters is going to be good. So,
4: well, it's Masters. It's it's full frontal nudity, 100. No. Oh no yeah, shame. Uh-huh.
2: nothing to hide behind. So just don't send it to Mike Grant. <laughs> 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 oh, we love Mike. I know Britton probably hasn't a chance to watch it, but make sure you check out Mike and the uh, freshly branded Pacific Kings. They did a stream yesterday, him and Kyle Timberlake. Well, Kyle uh, did the business with his dwarves, which he has just been playing, which is like. And when we talk about dark horses, uh, he's up there for me. But make sure you check out that Pacific Kings. We've had a lot of really great streaming action the last couple weekends. You know, we did that episode with the Kings Retreat guys, but there's a lot of people stepping in doing high quality Kings content, which is awesome. So and,
4: and Jeremy, you and I were talking last night. It's it's people that you know, we haven't heard of before, which is awesome. Just doing totally social media. It's yeah. like, oh, where did these people come from? It's it's great.
2: Yeah. Like I said, I was watching the Dash 28 stream the other night for the Atlantic City Open. And th- and there's all these people with Mike Atkins, And they're like, oh, yeah, this is a good list. I played this person at three tournaments. And, and it's like, I, I, I was like, I chatted. And I was like, I don't know any of you people. And it was like, it was a good, but it's good. It shows that we're coming out of COVID, mm-hmm. though, maybe with different faces. We still have a lot of momentum as a hobby group. And as a community, so really good. But well, what about you, Ryan? I know Dan Minor, Mama Dan Minor, is doing a bunch of the logistics for masters, but where are you? Are you are you doing still hobby to prep for masters? Are you all in full getting masters ready mode? Or what's it looking like up in your neck of the woods?
1: All of the above, probably. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to finish painting my army by masters, which I should be able to do. I have a regiment and a half left and two characters left. So that's that's a a um, problem. But I also have to finish painting like five, six more tables of train of masters, and we're going to be buying a house here in a couple weeks. I was trying to finish Mari before that happened because now I could have my paint stuff set up and I could just go paint. Well, now it's all boxed up. So now to paint requires unboxing all of my painting stuff, thing it up, getting the paints out, setting the lights up getting out my laptop to listen to whatever I'm going to listen to while I paint. So I have a feeling my progress is going to be much slower. I can do it, but it's not going to be, it's.
2: I know. Yeah. I know Britain can speak to that rightly because you just moved recently Britain. And that was kind of tough to be painting when all your stuff was like packed up.
3: Yeah. I mean, any, any time, like for me and some people are different, but I have found the secret to painting regularly is, Having the smallest amount of time between deciding to paint and painting.
1: (laughs) Yep. Exactly. Um,
3: So, like having it at least some of it permanently set up so that you can just sit down turn on a podcast or a movie or whatever you do exactly. it, or silence like Alex Koos, the serial killer. Um, <laughs> and you, whatever it is you need to get through painting, but like the smallest amount of friction between you and painting is what you need. Because sometimes I paint for 15 minutes and if it takes me 10 minutes to get set up, I'm never starting that session. So yeah.
2: yeah. And this is Ryan, you're working on, this is your sort of, uh, uh, red wall sort of themed army right
1: yeah which i wasn't planning on painting an army this year but i went to an event in november um and one of the local guys he's actually helping run best of the rest john mcgrew he came down to riddle so you guys think you guys oh, yeah. me, uh-huh. but jeremy and yeah do um he got a 3d printer he for a swag at his tournament, who's handing out all the stuff he 3d printed because he was just having fun with it and I saw these. Like, oh, those are cool, and I get them out and I assemble them and I paint them. I'm like, oh, these are really cool. Can I finish this army? And so I just (laughs) got more from it, started painting it, and I'm like, I never ever painted an army this quickly, but it just started coming together. Um, So yeah, it's. uh, I'm not very. I don't think I'm that great with it. Because playing, I'm playing it as dwarves, and dwarves are different. I've not played a slow army, so it's. Adjusting to the play style is it's yeah, a, big it's a big adjustment. Different. So I'm not. My expectations for masters were kind of low, but which is fine. For me, I'm just glad people are coming up here. Yeah, um, they're
3: slow. They're slow, and then there's dwarf slow. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like it's it's a whole it's a different thing. <laughs> yeah. When you try and charge someone that looks obviously in range, and you measure, and it's just over eight inches, and you feel terrible—that's special yeah. kind of dwarf slow.
1: Oh yeah, I was set, we I played in a tournament last weekend, and I was setting up all my stuff, and the guy moves into the forest. I'm like, "Oh, I got you! I'm gonna charge you!" And he's like, "No, nah, I'm ten inches away." I'm like, "Oh, great." <laughs> he then proceeded all your eye, eye line movement. measurements are all off, right? <laughs>
2: because it's all for like yeah. speed five or speed six. Is all your yep. eye muscle memory?
1: <laughs> yeah. So, but no, nah, the probably most of my hobby time from here on out will be on terrain because. We just we thought we had more than we had, but now we realize we're a couple. We're short by a certain amount, so I've just gotta, I've just gotta do it because Dan's running the event. I don't want him to have to do it all. He's like, I'll just do it. I'm like, no, 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 no. I'll I'll do it.
3: <laughs> if you if you need any tables brought up, let me know.
1: No, we figured we can... it out last weekend.
3: Okay. We are good. Um, we can we can make that happen. We can. <laughs> we're driving up. So
2: yeah, since we are driving, they are making the long trek from uh, sunny uh, San Diego to stop halfway in Napa at the uh, at the bed and breakfast, the Duval uh-huh. Bed and Breakfast in Napa. I'm going to have a charcuterie and uh, and uh, wine tours ready for you guys.
3: Yep. North. Um, uh, we're doing north to south. I am at least. Uh, I'm yeah. the longest part of that journey. So the basically the Mexico border up to the Canadian border.
2: <laughs> but we're It's going to be a blast. There's nothing quite like a road trip with your buds when you're going to like a yeah.
1: convention. That's really fun. But yeah, that's well, ho- pretty much it for me for hobby.
2: Cool. Well, hobby-wise, for me, you know, I'm also uh, I've been working on my project much longer than all of you guys, but yet I still have a ton to finish. For the the Twilight kin, uh, I am making progress though. Like I've gotten some of my special characters going. um I am uh th- Three models done on my first regiment of impalers, but the rest are all base coated. So I like kind of base coated everything and then now I'm painting them one at a time. That's like as much as I can give in to the batch painting. It's just really hard for me. So I'm trying to batch- commit, Jeremy. You got to commit. Trying- I know it's so hard. I can get to maybe like, so if I paint for four hours. I have like 20 minutes of warm up or whatever, where I'm just trying to warm up, you know, paint random things. And then I can batch paint for maybe an hour or two, but then I lose it. And I just, instead of just quitting painting, I'm just like, okay, fine. I'll just pick one model. So it's like, at least I'm trying, but it's just hard. It's just batch painting. is just really tough.
1: Have you tried reducing know. the batch size, like down to like four or five?
2: You know, I've tried that, but then as I'm doing those five, I look at all the other ones that are undone and it still makes me feel like bad. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, whereas if I just kind of batch plane a little bit and then finish one, at least I have something to show for it. So any, anyhow, you slice it. Anyway, the cookie crumbles, as they say, uh, I'm screwed, basically. It's, it's like the moral of the story. Uh, but I have a lot in various stages, you know. Um, I'm going to try to get the airbrush out. And also, I'm taking the month of July off. So, there you I go. mean, I, I am going to have the time to finish. It's just, I got I think I got to really start... Not just I can't wait for the July. I got to be like, okay, I have July off, but I need to like Britain every night. I need to be putting the time in. But uh, So we're just going to try to do that. I played my list a good amount of times now that I don't think necessarily I need to play test all that much. I'll play maybe once a couple weeks into Masters just to, just to keep the dust off. But I don't feel like I'm in that position where I mean I played it now 25 30 times, which is as m- more than I've ever played a list going into Masters. So, list wise, I feel like it is what it is. If I changed anything, it would be a completely different feel or whatever. So, I think it's pretty dialed in, which is good.
4: Yeah, you almost, you almost made Rashad quit the game, so, <laughs> playing against it. So it's, Hello, it's Rashad. Was,
2: I'm so happy he's back though. The cheese has landed. The cheese has returned. He was over at Kyle Timberlakes while they were playing just paint and terrain. And how cool is that? I know Br- Britton was in our chat was talking about it, but I love just hanging out with the boys, painting models while they're playing a game or something. It's just, yeah. it's just always fun to just paint and hang out with your buddies. Mm-hmm. Uh, you don't realize by the end of the day like how much you've gotten done. Okay, we're going to take a quick break. And on the other side, we're going to hear everything about the upcoming Kings of War Masters to be held in Seattle. We'll be right back.
4: Hello, this is Michael Sigler, the uh, third best player in the Mountain Region, and you are listening to Countercharge.
2: And we are back. Yeah, so like I said, this year, Masters is going to be held in Linwood, Washington, which is Linwood, basically, break it down for me, Ryan. Is that sort of kind of like the greater Seattle area, a suburb of Seattle, or what would you call that area?
1: It's a suburb of Seattle. It's just a little bit north. It's probably like between 10 and 20 minutes from Seattle with no traffic depending on where area. So it's close, but um, yeah, just a little North.
2: Awesome. And it's going to be held on July 23rd and July
1: 24th. Uh, if that's a Saturday and Sunday. Yeah. <laughs>
2: yes, that's correct. Uh, uh, that's gonna So that's going to be Saturday, Saturday, Sunday. Why don't you tell us a little bit about the venue and kind of why you guys decided to go with Linwood or, or talk to a little, little bit uh us about that.
1: So we didn't, I didn't really pick Linwood specifically. Um, We were just looking at hotels and seeing which ones had, you know, a good space for it because I've been to every Masters since Chicago and including Chicago. So I kind of had an idea of what I wanted the hotel to be like and just honestly, like just the price we needed to make it happen. This area of the country is as California is is very expensive. So just finding a space that was affordable was tough. But this one kind of checked um pretty much all the boxes. Um I was just browsing hotels and I came on this one and I talked to you know their events coordinator and you know the price worked and i went, I went to go tour it and I was expecting at the you know at what we talked about price wise this wasn't gonna work but I get there and everything's set up perfectly like the area where everybody's going to be hanging out is literally right outside the event hall you just walk out the doors and there it is and then if you look at the pictures i think they're up on the master site like all the hotel rooms surround that atrium area and they go up so if you walk out your hotel room and you look out over the railing you'll be able to see where everybody's hanging out so instead of people being like scattered, oh, where is everybody? You can just walk out your room, walk a couple of feet. Oh, hey, there's somebody playing games down there. I'm going to go down. Um, so the area itself, I think is the layout of the hotel is, I think it's perfect.
2: Um, awesome. Yeah. So that's going to be at the Embassy Suites by Hilton. And I know yes. uh, that the element of sort of like you have your game rooms and then you have sort of the atrium lobby-esque of the hotel, yeah. sort of in the center, and then the hotel moves up. We have an event here in the Bay Area called Kublicon, which is like that, where you can yeah. sort of look out from your hotel room down into the lobby and exactly. see everyone hanging
1: out. So that's kind of like what you're describing. And then we're also going to have the hospitality room. So we have like a huge suite we are reserving as well as part of the bid. And we're going to have like the local breweries. We I'm going out there. And we're gonna bring in local beers and stuff, and we're gonna have kegs in the room. And the way it's gonna work is, we have a water bottle that you can buy, and it's like twenty six dollars. And it's you can fill it up all weekend long until we run out. So twenty six dollars, all you can drink here for the weekend. I think that's a okay good. Have, those, to do that, have right? those
2: sold out? Are there still? Because I know there was a limited quantity of those. There I don't are mind. still
1: some left. I think there's. I I have not checked recently, but there are still some left and whatever's left over will be available on site. But the thing is, the money we're using to acquire the beer and stuff is only money from water bottle sales. So the more water bottles you guys buy, the better and more beer we can get there. So go buy your water bottles because you're going to want them on site. Anybody drinking is going to want one on site, but then there's going to be less to go around everybody. So if you're even thinking about drinking at Masters, you need to go buy a water bottle. The link is on Dan Miner has a website, Miner Creations. Miner Creations. If you go on his website, Miner Creations, and go under the Kings of War tab, it is there. So yeah, go buy those. Those are, it's going to be a pretty killer setup. That hospitality room will be set up for like, you know, there'll be, it's, Won't be enough for everybody, but there'll be enough for some people to hang out there and play games, too. If people looking for a little more quieter spot.
2: Other than that, people would be able just to sort of drop in and out of those suites, fill up their drinks, kind of say hello, just more spaces for people to hang out.
1: Yeah, well, pretty much, too. Like, I mean, during the event, I mean, you're going to be able to go up there between rounds, depending on, I don't know, I mean, it's not a, a long way to the room. It's just, right, it's just one of the hotel rooms where we're all staying up top. But if you finish your game a little early, you could go up there, get refilled, and come back down. And that's just a huge line. But yeah, it's it's really, it's really going to be a super convenient setup. Um, and I'm hoping if we can get enough interest for a large GT up here that we could use this venue again but right oh, now. Nice. So this could be like the there.
2: first time of building a relationship with the hotel for running future, future stuff I'm, there.
1: Hopefully, but right now our scene up here, it's not really big enough for a hotel style event. Um, we can do stuff at like, you know, we have a big enough scene for game stores that have a big event area, stuff like that. But to like run out a hotel right now, I don't think it's really unless somebody had money, they could just say, Hey, if I lose money on this, it is what it is. But sure. I just don't think we're quite to that point. Hopefully, after I'm hoping after Masters, it kind of kicked starts anybody on the fence up here i've talked to a lot of people who've never played kings of war but i used to play warmer with back in the day and i've said hey we're holding masters up here just come by and check it out and they've said oh yeah i'll definitely stop by awesome so i'm hoping we can pull some of the old players out of the woodwork and then also i know
2: for that friday you're you planned a, a sort of a extra event a, a nearby boat
1: trip what's the details on the boat trip Yes. Thank you. I'd forgotten about that. The boat tour, it's not super close. It's probably like an hour drive, but it's uh, essentially geographically there's the Puget Sound and there's a place called Deception Pass. And that's kind of where you first get into the sound and they offer a boat tour. And I did it for the first time over COVID and I've lived here my whole life. And it was amazing. Like I've been up to the Puget Sound. I'd never really done this tour So I thought, you know, that could be really fun for people who've never been here and just want to see what, you know, see what it's all about. You know, the scenery and stuff. I thought that'd be great. And so there's been a decent amount of interest. Um, If you are interested, you need to get back to me soon because they did tell me I need to book it probably by mid to late June to guarantee us a boat. I need to know if we're going to rent out a whole boat or not. me up on Facebook.
2: Yeah, so they should just reach out to you on Facebook.
1: Yep, just shoot me a Facebook message and um, this this week I'm going to put up posts again in in all the places I did before to say, hey, you know, if you want to go, you need to let me know. I don't know if we'll have the ability to expand later or not.
2: And then also I know we're going to have another Best of the Rest, right? Why don't you give us a, a little uh, loadout on, I know that the, the signups for that are still open, but uh, talk to us a little bit about Best of the Rest this year.
1: So Best of the Rest, right now, I want to say we're between 20 and 24 signups. It'll be a great time. It's in the same room, so it's not separate. It'll be just like New York where it's side by side. They're going to play the same scenarios as us, same maps. And being that it's 3-3 three, three for Masters, on Saturday night, we all finish at the same time. Whereas in New York, Best of the Rest finished. And then all of us in Masters had to play one more game. <laughs> I mean, so they earlier on Sunday.
2: but Yeah, we're all Masters players here. How does that sound, only playing three games on Saturday? Thank
1: you, is all yeah. I got to say. I love much, it. Much better. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so, yeah, God. I mean, the, the, the best of the rest will be, for the people playing it, it should feel just like Masters. It's just they're not, I don't know, It's hard to, it's hard to articulate what I mean. But it's going to feel like, you're not going to feel like you're not part of the event. Yeah, you're I mean, in the it, same room, playing the same scenario. You know, I've had some people say, "Well, I'm not going to be part of the event. I don't want to do best to the rest. It's like a step down." I'm like, "No, dude, you're in the same room, you're going to be right with the masters players. Just come." <laughs> For some local guys who are like new it, to the game. And it
3: it just brings up the energy of the whole thing like when when you're in a at this point it'll be 80 plus gamers in a room. It doesn't really matter mm-hmm. that 24 of them aren't in your bracket. <laughs> like, yeah. you're all there. Your armies are out. The dice are rolling. You're having fun. You're having conversations. I remember in New York, Masters, like, I didn't really know who was best of the rest versus Masters all the time. It, it was just a big room full of gamers, and you would chat right. with people and hear the stories about their games and the crazy situations and meet people and then only after the event was i like oh oh that guy wasn't even in masters he was playing best of the rest that's cool um so yeah it's definitely it's awesome that it's all sort of incorporated into the one big sort of event
2: no like you're exactly right you all can really truly feel like you're all part of the same experience that same sort of grandeur and spectacle that is masters weekend so that's great so you know so still plenty of room uh to sign up for that so if you're interested in best of the rest players should just Reach out to you, right, Ryan? If they have any questions.
1: Uh, Yeah, or just sign up. I mean, the link, if you go to the Masters website, there's a link to sign up to Best of the Rest. Um, Please do so. There's no cap. We have plenty of space for people. So we just, to a degree, I mean, we have to have enough terrain for it. So if like 20 people signed up the week of that, would be less than optimal, but we would make do. We'd probably that's C- where I'd probably yeah. head up, Jeremy and, and bring some train up." Yeah. Give uh-huh. it, give
3: us a call. We'll get the roof yeah. rack. Yeah.
2: It's we'll like it tables uh, assemble. Like he gets out the conch yeah. shell and blows it, and then Britain's getting all the tables from the South guys from the SoCal together to bring up. The... The, the beacons have been lit. Yeah, exactly. The beacons gone <laughs> door all the way down. Uh, And Tom's like, peasant, we have 100-person tournaments here all the time. You mean you don't have the terrain?
4: (laughs) Um, That's what you get when you have Masters twice in three years down here.
2: Yeah. (laughs) Well, I know I'm totally excited. I think all of us are excited. Um, I know it's going to be a blast driving up there. I speaking of Rashad, I know he's not good he gave up his spot on the Masters team, but now that he's back, he's gonna be playing in Best of the Rest. So that is just I'm just so excited for that. Awesome. Great. Yeah. I'm excited to see him. I'm excited to meet uh, Drew and Brian and a lot of the, the, the Canada guys because I know that. me too. Yeah, I haven't met him yet. <laughs> oh well then awesome because I know that scene has yeah. just been firing off. And yeah. um and they have really nice looking armies. I mean, in the stream today that they did uh, I don't it yeah I think they have a really nice developed s- scene up there I mean the two armies look really good so I think we're gonna see some of the same olds same old favorites this year but also I think we're gonna we're gonna see some new faces at masters with everything so it's gonna be really interesting
1: yeah I know gosh I think half of our team are people who've never been to a masters I th- think so yeah know that it's funny because when Brindley was here, he had the Victoria scene going pretty good. And then he went to the Northeast and it kind of died down and then he moves back and it's up again, but he's not, I don't think he's really jumped back in yet. So I'm, I'm really excited to meet him. And then I really want to get up there for an event too. Um, They have the ferry that goes between Washington and Victoria is not back up yet after COVID. So once they get that up, I'm going to try to make it up there.
2: Nice. Yeah. And the, and then Drew, the guy who runs that channel, his terrain is Chef's Kiss. You know, they had a really cool ice theme board yeah. today. So it's just crazy. It's nice that like in the last couple of weeks, man, we've just been people have just been firing out King's content. So super, yeah, super, super exciting times. Well, awesome. So we're going to take one more quick break. And then when we come back, we're going to get into the the meta. We're going to talk lists. We're going to talk who we think is going to do well. Talk what we expect to see, all the all the goodies. So we'll be right back.
4: This is Trent
3: Sosby, the best forces in nature player in the state of Colorado, and you are listening to Countercharge.
2: And we are back. So uh, here we are. uh, Obviously, you know, shockingly close to Masters, as many of us feel in our hearts as we're painting to get our armies together. But Mm -hmm. you know, I had Tom and Britton and let's let's start with you first, Tom. You know, we had you guys on here a couple weeks, uh, a couple months ago to sort of when Clash of King was just dropping on what we thought, you know, uh, was good, what we were kind of unsure about. But I know that was many moons ago, so I'm not going to ask you to, to like, go back and try to remember exactly what you said. But is there anything that's sort of standing out to you right now in the meta as far as, ah, I knew it? Or what what, WTF, where did this come from? Or what sort of is that the, you know, top of your head when you're thinking about this stuff.
4: Um, So, so there's two things. Um, The first is and anybody that's heard Britain or I uh, on this has heard the phrase before, but the wolves are back in Yellowstone. Like that, that was dead on elf shooting 24 inch efficient for a elf shooting, you know, across a couple different factions um, has really, I think, set the pace for a lot of us regions metas i'm not quite sure how how big of a splash it's had uh, internationally but for sure in the united states uh, elf shooting has it's not winning a lot of tournaments but it is sort of the boogeyman list with a bunch of glade stalkers um you know, that, that kind of sets the pace, I guess. And so we were talking, I, d- I do remember we were saying 18 inch, you know, if you remember two years ago, it, all the rage was like the flame bears and abyssals and heart piercers. And that, as far as I can tell, and I, I pay fairly close attention is that's almost all gone. And I think a big reason for that is the elf shooting coming back. That was definitely on point uh, on point. Uh, the second thing I I remember writing uh, an article for Dash Twenty Eight where I had like my five or three or so most improved factions. Not at the time I was I was saying they're not the top tier factions, but they're definitely the most improved. And something that surprised me is is it's turned out that those armies, which are I think I had ogres, uh, twilight kin and green lady not so much green lady but but ogres and twilight kin along with night stalkers uh, have really really been the big three armies of this clash 22 pack i think and so it surprises me just just how quickly those armies increased in popularity and how successful they've been at at winning tournaments
3: yeah i think something interesting with that For me especially, like, there's different circumstances for each. The rise of popularity of ogres and sort of Twilight kin. There's this sort of idea I've talked about before where Kings of War is a slow meta. When you look at the range of types of games that have a meta, Kings of War is naturally slow. It's a smaller scene, so you have, than say, like, League of Legends or something, or Magic the Gathering or something. Um, It's a much smaller scene, so you have less people sort of crunching numbers finding exploits getting games in communicating information it's a scene that uses painted you know mass battle fantasy armies as its standard so switching out armies or even optimizing armies takes a lot more time than it does in a video game or a card game or or even like a skirmish game where you're changing out one model and, and your army changes it can be really slow to actually react to changes. And for Ogres, I feel like they've been getting more powerful and sort of were a really good army before this last Clash of Kings pack and people were working on them and there were sort of like a hundred Ogre armies were all in progress. (laughs) And then Clash of Kings came out and they got even better. And suddenly all those Ogre armies that had been started however long ago or been thought about however long ago, Suddenly, actually sprung up and showed up at events and became all ubiquitous, all conquering, etc. So, there's this sort of idea that, like, it took a while for the players to actually catch up to how good ogres were and get those armies on the table and start showing up in results. And that's different than Twilight Kin for me, where I think they took a big jump in power and. The reason they were so quickly adopted is that everyone can just flex their elf army because it's Kings of War into a Twilight Kin army with like a snap of a fingers and and call their Wood Elves Twilight Kin or call their High Elves Twilight Kin and call it a day. So that was really easy to sort of switch over, which I think like those armies are hugely improved, uh, but they had different reasons for suddenly being so popular
2: kind of having on one hand the actual nuts and bolts of why they're better and then you have on the other hand that sort of elusive idea of actually getting the army to the tabletop i think like
3: tournament appearance lags behind actual army ability in our scene like we we don't react instantly like an army can get good in a clash pack and it still takes six months or a year sometimes for those armies to start really showing up in the quantity they could Um, if it was a game that like, if this was a video game, uh, and I think you see it, I think you see armies on UB from these sort of new, more powerful showing up way faster and like the UB tournaments feeling the effect first, and then it sort of hits the actual tabletop because of that.
2: And I think ogres are interesting. Like you said, one, because I think it's a range that Mantic has done a lot of cool models with recently. Like I'm thinking of the boomer sergeant, the matriarch, some of the Vanguard stuff, right? And then also, it's just a lower count model army too. So I imagine let's let's say Kingdoms of Men all of a sudden became the bee's knees, and ogres all of a sudden became the bee's knees too. The model count gonna affect too, right? When when we see the army actually manifest itself on the table.
3: Oh, that, like it already has. Uh, goblins were one of the top three armies in the game for years, and you still had not a huge number of goblin players out there with a list that's, you know. Obviously very good, but more effort to replicate. And then there's just sort of large infantry armies are fun. They're fun to build. They're fun to paint. You can build them on the cheap. You can build them on the expensive. There are tons of third-party companies that make amazing ogre-sized models of all different types. So, like, you want to build an ogre army, It's you're, you're a kid in a candy shop. Once you go online and look for cool large infantry models that work as ogres so yeah it's a it's a really low barrier to entry army fun army to do uh for people and i think that's helped its popularity
4: the other thing too that i'll jump in and say is uh i think another story of clash 22 is night stalkers becoming the best army in the game and i i i'll fight anyone that doesn't believe that because to me it's pretty obvious um and that that opinion dovetails with uh something else that i think is is hugely significant that's changed the game and that is the introduction of the spell word special rule i don't think we talked that much about it on our podcast last december but i do remember um some fanatics posts about it and man it's just when you're able to stack cover with spell word, going from a negative one modifier to uh, a negative two or stacking stealthy and spell word for the negative two modifier. That's just so hugely powerful and insignificant on the table, especially when we're using D sixes. And so a lot of the um, really powerful builds that I've seen out there are using either the spell word banner or night stalkers kind of get to have their cake and eat it too. They have these spell word monsters, the, the horror rift weavers, which got, their profile totally changed in Clash 22, um, and then are now showing up at least one in, in a lot of the top Night Stalker builds. So I would yeah. say that that's another huge change that's had effect. Night
3: he- Stalkers are a case of the rich getting richer again, sort of like Ogres, where they were a really good army, and they got better. <laughs> like, And it's terrifying for that. That army is so good right now, and that kind of makes me think about where we are in terms of an overall power cycle for the kind of addition um and this is a small tangent but like if you look at the way version 2 started out version 2 starting out out of the box was an incredibly like things were stupidly powerful if you remember back pre-clash of kings bane chant affecting shooting piercing item plus not one to hit.
2: flyers
3: yeah grounding not grounding flyers when you hit them so a dragon could just charge the front of a unit and then peace out behind the lines next turn race could hit the front of a unit peace out and then surge into the back of the same unit that didn't kill them the round before <laughs> um defense six vampires defense six dragons uh, scoring war machines, like yeah, my you know elf shooting war machines are just going to sit on an objective, right? It was this incredibly powerful sort of meta that they then took a bunch of steps to sort of Clash of Kings was like toning things down, but also adding some new elements. Like formations were originally you know introduced. You got some more special characters. You got some more spells, but a lot of it was sort of stepping back from that original power level of v2 when it was just chaos right i i feel like version three came out of the gate low power outside of sword war machines and like morgoth and a couple things that slipped through the net right it was a low power there were no formations there weren't a ton of super powerful spells there weren't as many special characters and this edition has been kind of and like shooting had been heavily nerfed Flyers had been heavily nerfed, especially flying large infantry like Trey and Aloha, Alohi. You had all this stuff that had been kind of turned down, and they've been turning up the volume this entire edition with each sort of pack. They've been adding new stuff back in. They've been adding special characters. And the moment in time we're at with this Masters feels like all of the different toys are there. Most of the toys are back in the system. And people have had some time to sit with them, have some time to get used to V3 as a game versus just making V2 armies. And just armies are going to be really strong at this event. <laughs> like the the stuff you sort of see is just such a high power level um, because all of the toys have been let back into the system. Um, and that's that moment we're in. And I sort of expect there to be a, a down curve again after this. That's That's what I'm kind of observing is like, I'm going to be scared of a lot of these armies.
2: <laughs> yeah. Coming from a, a pack with no nerfs of uh, bringing a lot of stuff up, you know, sort of idea of rising tides lift all ships. And I, I think you're right. I, I noticed playing against Tom's ogres. We were talking in the first, I was like, I'm looking at your army and I'm terrified and I have no idea what to do. And then he's looking at my army and he's like, well, I played your army enough and I know exactly what it does. And I'm terrified. Meaning that like, uh, these factions that you, we talk about as being good have just some really nasty makeups.
4: Yeah. yeah. Uh,
1: Go ahead, Ryan. Sorry. I think it makes too like more than ever. Like speaking personally, for previous masters, I was especially New York and Texas. I wasn't really concerned about the meta game as much, but this year in my list building, it's like, well, gosh. You know, do I think there's going to be shooting? Because if I do, I need to take Bale of Shadows. Do I think there's going to be a lot of magic shooting, Lightning Bolt, Alchemist's Curse? Well, if I do, then I need to take the Abbotshire Banner. If I don't think they're going to be there, then I've wasted, I've wasted points, almost an extra unit of points. There being more toys and more different toys makes you make more list-building decisions that you wouldn't have had to make otherwise.
4: And I was talking to uh, Dustin Howard the other night and he was telling me his opinion, which is there's just so many different powerful army archetypes out there right now that it's, it's like impossible to, to build a list that can address all of them successfully. So you might as well just pick a list that does something well and is good into, you know, 80% of the matchups and don't try to build the perfect list that can handle everything. Cause it, it probably doesn't exist, except maybe that Ballard's list, but we'll see.
3: <laughs> That's that interesting sort of list of building conundrum you're in, where there are certain gatekeeper lists that, like, as you are building your list, you have to say, how am I going to deal with stalkers? Like, Glade Stalkers, uh, Twilight Kin, whatever they're called, you know, Murder Goths, whatever. All the various, uh, the Sylvan Kin ones. Like, you need a plan to deal with those in your army. You need a plan to deal with Defense 6. You need a plan to deal with the various really high interaction, you know, strong Night Stalker builds that are pushing and pulling and whatever... Um And then, like, you need a plan to deal with Alpha Strike as per usual. And you're sort of, at some point, you're like, there's too many plans. (laughs) I need to be okay losing to one of these. (laughs) Or, like, fighting an uphill draw against one of these and just picking the others. But, like, you know it's all going to be there. Like, all of these different really strong strategies are going to be there. And it's going to be a really interesting, for me, room to see when lists or publishes shake out like what the percentages of each are and what people run into through their particular event.
2: And I think what you say about Spell Ward and Stealthy together is really interesting because the two of the factions that you mentioned, right? Twilight Kin and Ogres both have easy access to those things, right? And especially with Veil of Shadows are Stealthy, Twilight Kin gets it as the Aura from Lafayette. And then Ogres get it from the Boomer Chariot aura. So that's a static buff that, bam, we get immediately. And then you pick in one character with a banner. Ogre characters are amazing anyway. Twilight kin crones are amazing. So to get Stealthy and spell ward into both those factions without having to pay an opportunity cost is pretty high. It's pretty easy is what I mean.
4: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, it, those three armies that we we're just talking about—nightstalkers, uh, ogres, and twilight kin—they don't have to do the thing where they go buy veil of shadows three for thirty points or whatever from the, the magic table. They have it already, easy access, like you're saying, and and yeah, I mean, it's it's hugely powerful
2: and they don't have to cast it either they just got it so i mean we've all been in how many times have you been in a situation where it's like i have bane chant three and it's four turns and i've never you know succeeded on a bane chant so it is dice are a thing
3: i played orcs and had like a bane chant five fail in a crucial situation so (laughs) dice dice are always dice (laughs) they're there they can fail so having inbuilt access to those auras is is a, a huge advantage for those armies
1: turn too like if you have Veil of Shadows and you don't get first turn it's not working first turn if you fail at second turn then they've gotten two turns of shooting on you and it's probably it's not worth it to have that anymore so just having the native aura over having to cast a spell is huge.
3: What I think is interesting is if you look at last year's Masters I think the two most popular armies were Nightstalkers and Ogres if, if I remember correctly and then i say if i remember correctly and look it up night stalkers had one two three four five six players uh ogres had one two three four five they were one and two in terms of the most uh being played now the spread is not far to the rest like abyssal dwarfs had four forces of the abyss had four dwarves were walking around there's a lot of fours but ogres and night stalkers were super popular last year and are going to be popular again, which is interesting. It's It goes towards that, like, they were good armies that got better. Now, the thing that was not at last year's Masters were elves. We had sort of the lone elf representative, I think, between Sylvan Kin, Twilight Kin, and, you know, normal flavor elves was just Keith always Elf Randall. So, like, elves just didn't exist at last year's Masters. And this year... Uh, because they're split amongst three factions, I don't know that they're going to be the top of any. It's it's possible, but I think if you come if you look at a combined number of those elves, they're going to be one of the most popular factions this year.
1: Yeah, so, well,
2: like you said, there was one elf last year, and I know for a fact there's two twilight kin <laughs> players from my my one region.
3: Really. Yeah, you know, so it's
2: everything else.
3: So like ogres and nightstalkers were popular, and I think are going to get more ubiquitous. Elves, I think, are the big chart riser. They're the big, you know, flaming icon on the billboard chart, like shooting up from almost no representation, token representation, because it's Keith. He's always bringing elves. Except that one year, he heel-turned even further and brought artillery. Yeah, they're the big sort of change this year. Like, from from almost no one to, I think, they're going to be one of the most popular armies. And that's a, that's a big change that's interesting.
4: By master due diligence, I've counted at least five twilight Kin armies that are coming that i know of and i i don't know anybody except for ryan in the pacific northwest so that's you know seven uh so out of 56 people yeah so it's about 10 percent or so that are taking twilight kin um let alone yeah
3: and elves. and the like i said the most popular army last year was five had five instances of it so if we already know there's seven from one it's already sort of solidifying around a potentially smaller number of armies at the top than last year i'll be super interested to look at the the final numbers for who brought what and see how it breaks out in percentage um but yeah that's that's interesting i'm always happy when it's like i think there'll be elves and then tom just like has his has his fingers twiddling (laughs) and goes yes i know how many and where
2: (laughs) twilight kid (laughs) How I love you. All my little disciples running or no, I'm just kidding.
4: One t- uh, army type, and it's, it goes across a, a couple different factions that I have not been seeing a lot of, and probably won't be there in great numbers at the Masters, is like the elite combat armies that have no ability to recover wounds. Like, Barringer is a good example. You know, Rift Forge Orcs, Northern Alliance. I, I, I don't think there will be a single Northern Alliance army at Masters this
3: year. I think if people bring them, it's going to be because it's their comfort army or hobby army.
4: Yeah, it's just shooting is back in such a big way that you can't um, take wounds with no response for two turns before you get into combat turn three. It's just like at Lone Wolf, I lost to John Green because between. Two lightning casters. He did ten wounds to my soul reaver infantry before I could do anything. And my specific undead list is the type of army that I'm talking about, where it's pure (laughs) combat, no heal except for life leech. But that's only once you get into combat. I think those type of armies are having a really, really tough time. Total case in point,
2: right, Tom? That your sort of four hammer. Annis undead, right? The double whites, double soul reavers, uh, soul reaver cab, whatever. It's still floating around there as a great army, but it's one that was that was the boogeyman previously, and it's now been evicted from Casa de Boogie. I say I don't think that but, army's the boogeyman anymore. But what's
3: interesting is it didn't get worse; just <laughs> yeah, It's just other other stuff got better. It's still kicking around. Like the fundamentals of that list are still pumped. It's just like I don't know. It's like a <laughs> the the steroid era of baseball right like you just suddenly you have these great pitchers or great hitters that are like i didn't lose a step and then they look next to him there's this jacked like steroided out army showing up that's like oh i'm sorry you it's great that you hit hard, but you don't do the other six things really well like we do. So there's just these like steroided monster lists walking around that are you know making making the poor like double soul reaver, double white undead look like a a, a normal thing now.
4: <laughs> the type of combat armies that I think do have a good place in the meta and and we will see a good number of them at masters are uh, the ones with with that wound uh, recovery ability. So that's like Vasileans with their iron resolve and everything plus they have access to heal green lady is like probably the best example with all their regen and and they can get heal as well and then there was one more that I'm forgetting but uh, those type of, oh Abyssal's, Abyssal's is basically a combat army and they have the best wound recovery in the entire game and so I really think that if you're going to play a combat army successfully in the current state of the game you, you definitely need wound recovery of some sort and not every army can can do that and that's like uh a sort of microcosm
3: of my wonderful meta choices which is i am bringing an army that has access to all that stuff and i'm just not taking it so i'm (laughs) i'm bringing a a straightforward punch-in-the-face combat army with no shooting and no wound removal and being like yeah That's not good in the meta right now. Whatever, hobby, no time to pivot. Let's go. (laughs) (laughs) I think abyssals are a super interesting point because they have had, uh, like, they've gone off this summer, dyed their hair, uh, changed their clothes, and have come back like a totally different beast than they were previously. It was like, uh, we're a hybrid shooting army, spell army that kind of picks away at you and has a bunch of flame bearers and, like, nasty board control. And then the meta entirely shifted, and they're like, "Yeah, we're not that anymore. We're now a straight up combat, wound removal, punch you in the face army. Pretend our our eighteen inch shooting doesn't exist because it's so unwelcome
2: now." Yeah, um, I think that's a super nasty list. You know, the sort of the archetype. You know, that I imagine Lexheim, that Lex Simon played at uh, Lone Wolf, right? Which is like the the double Cronius or single Cronius, if you want to be a loser. The double Cronius the well of souls. And then all of a sudden you're like, I can move around 75 wounds a a turn. It's like your wound manipulation is so strong. And I think when you have elements in your army that sort of break the mechanics of the game or allow you to step outside of the regular rules, it can get really strong. I wouldn't be surprised to see some of those lists go well based on we talk about matchups right and a big tournament like masters you have to dodge certain matchups but if you have a couple of those wound mitigation abyssal lists that dodge a couple of the more sh- nasty shooty elf lists i think you could do that list could do really well at masters
3: yeah and i'm i'm 100 percent want to see lex at the table with an old style green plastic visor and like a calculator spitting out the tape as he's moving wounds an around and you gotta get
2: <laughs> his evil abacus out the like... abacus
3: the old taxman calculator whatever it is just like punching numbers and removing wounds and suddenly that thing you thought you had dead isn't there's like a bunch of different ways in which these various mechanics can get an entire army theme behind them and when that engine works like, when you give it a chance to work, it's it's sort of a beautiful thing to see. Just like, I'm going to take the wounds off here. I'm going to life leech back up. I'm going to do this. I'm going to shift over here. All your entire turn, because the way Kings of War works, that's peace trading. Like, you always feel like you're winning when it's your turn. And then it's their turn, and they do something horrible back to you, and you realize you weren't. And it makes that situation even worse, where you're like, okay, I've done all of these things, and i put this work in against these units, And then you just watch it all melt away (laughs) and it's like your turn never happened so that that will be interesting to see if that archetype a is piloted by more than lex Uh, i'm assuming he's bringing it because it's sort of synonymous with his name. Well at this when we point. talked
2: to Lone Wolf, he said he was, but who knows if he's changed his mind. I mean, maybe Tom knows more than I do, but I think it was it was he was thinking he was gonna take it.
3: It'll be interesting to see if other variants of that come from other players because I think it's really strong right now and just kind of flying
1: under the radar. This is Nicholas Lee, the greatest Empire of Dust player in Southeast Asia, and you're listening to Countercharge.
2: We talked a little bit about Night Stalkers, we've talked a little bit about Twilight Kin and a la sort of the new, you know wolf in yellowstone you know what i mean the elves we talked a little about ogres i'm gonna throw a couple other armies out there i think actually infantry dwarves and i keep harkening back to this but i think infantry dwarves with the formation no longer the brocks and rocks i think infantry dwarves like i want to call kevin von felt up out of retirement and be like it's your time man it's your time i think they're looking really good I feel like the, the
3: community, unfairly in my opinion, but sure, it's finally bearing fruit, has been like asking for better infantry dwarves for like five years. They've been like, we need this army to be super competitive and we're going to grumble and complain and stroke our beards until it is. And they've just been getting little bits here and little bits there and little bits here and little bits there. And it's finally like, you look at that list and it's so much good stuff. They're still slow. It's an objective-based game. Being slow in an objective-based game takes a particular play style and a lot of planning and a commitment to your plan that you don't have to have when you have uh, ogres with a bunch of scoring characters or um, Basilia with you know three flyers that can grab objectives at the end or Rorty or something. But if you can attune yourself to that play style, I think that the list is really strong. And absolutely terrifying to some of the other lists in the meta when they just run across all of these dwarves.
4: And I think as much as, as we talk about the most popular lists or may or what we think is are the most powerful uh three or four or five lists, if you look back at the list that actually won Masters over the past few years, it's like Alex Chavez was playing dwarves in two thousand eighteen, and then it was, you know, Brad's BS uh Twilight Kin probably the only like truly broken list in Kings of War history. But skipping over that, then it was Eric Trowbridge with Orcs. And then it was Keith Conroy with herd. And it's like goblins haven't won, you know, Undead won early, but it hasn't been in a while. And so my question coming into this is, what type of list, that's not the meta factions, it's not Stalkers, Ogres, Twilight, etc., can win six games in, in the current state of the game. And I think it's the like horde style armies, which I would horde style that can shoot back. So that's like goblins, rat cannon, dwarves. Because what elves really don't like is when you had a, a ton of nerve that they can't just, you know, shoot off a of 15, 17 large infantry horde and and wipe out a good chunk of your army. If they actually have to shoot a horde, any type of horde that then they're, they're behind the eight ball. And then if you're also shooting back at them at the same time with their low defense, that's a tough matchup. And so I I think you're dead on, Jeremy. Dwarves, Ratkin, I don't know how many Ratkin there are going to be, but but Dwarves, Ratkin, and Goblins, I think that's sort of the, not that Goblins are off meta or anything, but that's the archetype that I can see taking on all the meta meta factions and and winning. The thing that you always see is
3: whether the army is that good, or whether their army's bad. Dwarves are always popular. They're, they're sort of like undead in which they are a classic fantasy archetype. People who want to play dwarves or paint dwarves want to do it sort of regardless of whether the army's good. They're awful. Uh, a ton of people just have dwarf armies sitting around. You have a bunch of dwarf-only players that have been playing dwarves forever and just keep doing it. So it's sort of like, regardless of where they're placed in the meta, you're going to get four or five dwarf armies showing up to an event. Um, so if they're actually well-placed in the meta at the moment, it's like, oh, there might even be more of them. Um, so yeah, I think I think dwarves are a good shout. Uh, it's just really hard to win an event, to win all the games you need to win uh, with that slow an army. And like, you know, Chavez, Chavez did it but he did it with with broken steel uh, behemoths at the time and yeah, very and favorable the, terrain.
2: And the best scenario for him in the last game. You know yeah. what I mean? So not um, to take anything away from his victory, but there were reasons, right?
3: Yeah, no, I mean, he's, he's a great player. Uh, but I do think that's a super important point from Tom, which is when we look back, I feel like there's a lot of masters where we've gone in and we've been like, oh, these are the two or three lists to beat and they're terrifying or the factions to beat. And it's usually not those that win. Um, I think Brad's list was one where he came in as a favorite and came out as the winner. And that's the only Masters I remember coming in where we were all just watching one player the entire time, <laughs> wondering if anyone was going to beat it. The rest of them have sort of come, you know, they've come from really good players. You hear the name and you're like, yes, great player. But you wouldn't have always pulled that list ahead of time as the thing that's going to win. So it's it's a good point that we should be looking outside of the... the Terrifying big names. At the same time though, that Adam Ballard Night Stalker list that has hordes and counter shootings sort of fits your archetype of of what could what could shut down elves. And there's there's a reason it's been doing so well.
4: Yeah, absolutely. Or, you know, Mike Zettelmeyer could easily win Masters with his nine by nine list, who, you know, I've heard people like, I've played it twenty times and I've won zero. Yeah. I feel like it's
3: it's kind of you know taking off my uh, participant hat, uh, where I'm going to actually have to face some of these and get my teeth kicked in. Um, so once once I've gotten my teeth kicked in and I'm hopefully down in the kiddie pool, or Ryan has instituted some kind of uh, relegation system where after round three I drop down into best of the rest and their better players pop up. <laughs> um, ignoring the fact I have to face these, I'm actually like. I feel like there's going to be five or six like really well-known kind of filthy archetypes that are going to come in. And I'm just interested almost from like a sporting event view, like a like a final, you know, for March Madness of just like watching how they navigate the tournament and run into each other. Because I think each of them has like incredible power, but I have no idea how they're going to perform against each other. So like, I hope there's like a round five, settlemeyer against Ballard, someone, some Twilight kin filth against some other filth, and just like watching all of that pan out, it's going to be super interesting. Like and I'm it's excited. always
2: fascinating, right? Where, like you said, on you go into round six, and the top table draws, and so then you're automatically going, okay, what's happening on all you know <laughs> tables two through five? You know, so it's always, and I think also with Masters, and I'm curious to hear what what you guys think about this, especially as it relates to you know we're talking lists and everything. So I'm thinking about the the last few from let's say Chicago Masters on right even Memphis. So you had Pat, Chavez, Brad, right? Which I think that list is of the group. It was the boogeyman list that came and did what the boogeyman – What he, he he's like, I'm going to punch – I'm going to tell you what I'm going to do, and I'm still going to do it.
3: He got an entire play style nerfed in the next edition. Yes. Like, that army is r- somewhat responsible for <laughs> version 3 being what version 3 is. No. Ch- Chariots and you still haven't
4: rat. recovered. Yeah.
3: Exactly. <laughs> I don't know that they will. Like. Like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, anyone that had non uh, EOD chariots, like, they might be on the shelf for a while. Like, V4 might be your time.
2: But <laughs> then we had Eric. We all know the skill and effort that Eric put in to his victory. And then Keith, you know, the level player he is. Even though I feel when you look at who wins Masters, maybe the list we can't guess, but I still think that usually there's a set of names when we think about the master's field that usually the master is going to be pulled from that name. like, I'm never usually surprised to hear who won master's and like, Oh yeah, dude, that totally makes sense.
3: I, I generally think it's like roughly it's like a third, a third, a third. There's a third of the participants that you can say, okay, I know, I know, or, or it might be like 25%, 50%, 25%, but there is that sort of top group of names that you're like, they are capable. They know how to win a GT. They put enough effort into their list. They know how it plays. The list is good. And, like, they could do it. And then it just comes down to, like, how they play on the day, the dice, the matchups, the scenarios, etc. And then there's a big chunk of people that, like, yeah, they're not winning masters. <laughs> I'm sorry if that's harsh, but it's true. Like, we're, we're there's that group of, like, good players, solid opponents. They're not going to string together the six wins or five, five, oh, and one in that room that is required to still a match
2: caliber player, which is not a small thing to achieve. (laughs) Right. But, but in the scope of things, there are certain players that just play within the country that just that step above.
3: And then there's the people, the people I find really interesting, which are the, like, we just don't know yet. Like, is there, is this their step up year? Is this that performance? And those are the ones that are really interesting where it's like, this could be there. It could be it. Like I didn't think of them necessarily as a master's winner before the event, you know, the year before, but like this year they have done something. They have put in the work. They have uh, got the army dialed in. They have done something that it's like, oh, actually like this, this could be it. They could make that step up into the potential winners group. And those I find super interesting each year.
4: Yeah, no. Nobody was picking Keith Conroy last year,
3: except Maybe, for you, but, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I knew, I knew where that one was going. Like uh-huh. every everyone gonna, in the everyone gonna, in the world disrespected hard. him, except one ex- incredibly intelligent <laughs> lawyer. Who could that be? <laughs> With his web of
2: his web of intrigue.
4: It really is just like a different level of competition, though. Like I wasn't even that close to the top last year, and my last three games were shannon shoemaker and then i got to play eric trowbridge and then i had to play uh jeff shilkin it's just like and i wasn't even on the top five tables so it's just a incredibly high level of competition and it takes someone that's used to being in those super intense games to be able to handle it if you're actually going to win masters and that that pool of players is is smaller than the players who are there who are really good i mean because there's a lot of really good players that are going to be there
3: that's my joke from new york masters it's like i didn't have a great masters my list was not good it's i'm there for hobby and like my round six opponent is chris kapsner it's just like how am i down here in a normal gt this would be the gimme game the easy game like you're down there to make you feel good and it's like no your game six opponent is chris enjoy (laughs)
2: so and I think it's you're so right. Both you guys are so right. And I I call it with my with my guys. I call it like that special seasoning or the secret sauce. That until you're out there in the world playing in that environment and getting those reps in and feeling what that stress is like, it's difficult to to play high. Like I would be shocked if someone goes to their first Masters and does well. I mean, if you do, oh, more power to you. But I know for me personally, it took like my I've done I've gone to four Masters right. My first two Masters, I absolutely got curb stomped. Horrible. But during those two years, I was traveling around the tournaments, going to tournaments, going to tournaments. And then finally, when I got my that game one gimme game against Tom in New York, I was like, oh, finally, I matched up against someone I don't have to worry about. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But I'm just saying, I Tom, in that Masters, which was the first one that finally I was able to string something together, I lose that game if we don't play a turn seven and Tom wins. But the four went my way. I got to turn seven. I won that game. I had a really strong game against George O'Connell. You know, I had a bunch, of, and it was able to finally string something together. But I think it takes that time and that seasoning to, be, to put yourself into that position so if the dice go your way, you can pick up those scenario wins.
4: Jeremy, I will never forget you at New York Masters playing George O'Connell, just marching around the table like... <laughs> you were so like locked in and determined it was like i've never seen you like that before or since it was
2: i went into that i went into that and i'm like i'm winning this game i mean you know his (laughs) list was super nasty and i had i felt like i had played a clean game against you and that i had gotten lucky to get that turn seven that i needed so i was like you know what enough of this i just i tied my karate kid headband just a little bit tighter just a little bit tighter Thankfully, I was able to pick up that game and then had a couple other uh victories in that tournament. But um, it's just something that you gotta you gotta, it's not just your list, it's not just the gameplay. To to win a masters, I think it's like all these separate things, all this like it's a lattice work of possibility that has yeah. to come out a certain way. Perfect storm. Yeah, yeah, that's another great analogy, right? Just like a perfect storm. And I think there's different players who go to masters for different things. I mean, I i go i think britain you're going up as more of like a straight hobby guy um tom i think you love your hobby but you're like a a tactician's guy
3: look i was ahead of the meta on the three giants uh (laughs) (laughs) everyone else needs to needs to catch up to the my my hot giant summer um (laughs) that i had yeah now it's it's i i bring a list that's good enough not to like fully feel bad the whole event (laughs) but someday someday i'll do a a heel turn and just show up with a speed painted filth list and hopefully surprise people but we'll see
2: and and i think ryan and i i i would say ryan we're more like wanting to do well in overall like we want to have you know, that's sort of where we're trying to compete, try to compete. Like, I know I'm never going to bring the nastiest list and I I make stupid gaming mistakes sometimes, but I'm going to try to compete in each of the categories as best I can. So I think in Masters, you see... it it, the master is the best battle but i still think you see players who are the best at all the subcategories competing at masters like we have the great sportsmen who win sports wherever they go are are you know at masters we have people who care on overall people who are just focused on hobby or battle so really it's the master but i think you're gonna it's the master of all the categories right we have all sorts of types of players we
3: have all sorts of types but Let's be honest. Like this is the one event where I no longer think overall is the winner.
2: Well, yeah, no, here you you
3: you bring the filth and you win, and you run that gauntlet and you've got something special. And like, yeah, it's awesome to win Paragon, but for once, Paragon is the secondary award here.
2: I'm just Um, saying, like, I'm going, and that's what I'm competing for. I -hmm. don't think it's more; it's higher than Masters. The Master Master is number one. I just know in like. My skill set sometimes in going to a tournament, I enjoy it more if I have a clear idea of, like, what is my purpose yeah. in going? You know, what am I, like, what is my goal?
3: I also think you're, this year at least, you are downplaying the filth of your list. I, I think you have a totally. good list. Absolutely. <laughs> I, I think in previous years it was like, oh, guys, I couldn't get what I wanted painted, so I'm just bringing Basilians again. And, like, you could get by with the Nice Guy Jeremy list. This this list is not Nice Guy Jeremy. I don't
2: know what you're talking
3: about. So you're going <laughs> to you're, you're have to own that one, bro. <laughs> this
0: is.
2: It is pretty good, I will say, but my own claim to fame is that I've been playing this list for months. So yep. this was sort of like, oh, I think this is pretty good. And then it's like played out to be that way. So at least I can hold on to that and I I haven't jumped on any bandwagons because it's my wagon, you know?
3: Yeah, you set out to bring a filthy list of masters instead of pivoting to a filthy list for masters. Congratulations.
2: (laughs) I can always count on you to be there for me. You guys (laughs) your
1: support system here. Yeah, no, there's always different goals of what people shoot for at tournaments. And for me, I mean I would be happy winning either Paragon or Master, but if I had to pick, I would actually pick Paragon, but that's a personal choice. Like, that's just what I shoot for. And just because it's Masters, I'm not going to change what I'm shooting for. Um, That's just me personally. Like, I know, you know, I'd be thrilled if I won Master. I don't think it's happening. I'd be really surprised if I won Master, but... Um, I'd probably have a better shot at Paragon. I got third Paragon in New York, so I feel like I could probably no actually probably not this year because I don't have any conversions in my army. So And whose fault is that, Mr. This let's
2: is, Yeah, yeah, let's 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 this make is I, your rubric. The paint rubric. Is the
1: paint rubric I didn't make the paint rubric, but <laughs> I to yeah. be fair, I talked to many, 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 many people about the paint rubric before I signed off on it and like I said, it, it hurts me, so I'm not making the decision selfishly. But talking to a lot of people, um, okay, it's not a paint rubric. It's a hobby rubric. I'll we'll get it that way. Let, me, let me just say. Conversions say, are
3: part of a hobby, right? Let me say, Ryan, I, I will be 100% honest here. Whatever you put in that paint checklist, I was going to give you shit for. <laughs> <laughs> There's no way to escape there's there's no 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 way to escape backseat drivers on your paint scoring no there isn't, do the best you can and then just go with it don't worry about defending it too much because I will be a sour puss about every painting checklist
1: oh okay
3: so don't don't take it personally
1: there's there's extra stuff at the end too it's not just a checklist no I'm, I'm, I'm actually I'm excited to hear feedback on both the painting scoring and the sports scoring how it's going to be done because i think it's different especially especially sports than what most people will be used to so i'm really excited to hear feedback from people on it um
2: and that is part of masters right the home region gets to set those things so the region that hosts masters still (laughs) elicits and takes in feedback from other regions but it's still sort of their opportunity to be like you know, we're putting our region on display. This is going to be how we're going to run. So it's each Masters, right? That is, each Masters has its own little flavor.
4: Yeah. And speaking of flavor, Jeremy, one thing that uh, we have not talked about at all, but I think is hugely uh, different about this Masters is the scoring system we're using. And ah, that, yeah. is, yes. that is that we are playing with the Northern Kings uh, scoring system. Yeah, that's true. It's so it's traditionally been either maybe the first one was out of the book, but since then it's, it's pretty much been blackjack scoring and Northern Kings is like blackjack plus, you know, positive only you get bonus point for, for winning harder on the objectives. And so um, it changed, at least for me, it's it's changed the list that I'm thinking about bringing just because the focus on on units or uh, scoring units is, is so much higher, because of all the bonus points you can get, and so I think that might be playing into some of the lists that that we'll see. Like for example, I know of one player who's coming who had been playing elves uh, pretty much exclusively over the past year, and then when he found out that it was going to be Northern Kings, he's going to switch to goblins, and I think that that's a direct directly related to the the scoring system. So, yeah. I-
3: I'd like to think that is why I'm bringing entirely scoring units and no individuals, but that decision was made long before the scoring, (laughs) but, uh, it, it should, Northern Kings should help me with my, uh, almost get tabled every game, but try and kill everything they have style. So we'll see.
2: No, that's a good point. You know, Northern Kings is interesting in that it's, it is not a negative, right? And when we say that we means like, um, uh, even the old fifteen five ten 10 or, uh, Blackjack, there's a set amount of points that you split between the two of you, right? So, it, it, of those points, if you're doing worse, you're getting negative, and your opponent's getting positive. Uh, Northern Kings is just all positive. Each person is getting plus points. So, in yeah. some ways, it feels better, I guess, in the fact that you're not losing points, you're it's only gaining points. But
3: the yeah, by the tone of your voice, you were you were uh, couching your like. Like question is it better? I mean yeah. each. I mean I, don't I think know. Like each, I'll put
2: that out to you guys. What do you think?
3: I think each scoring system has distinct advantages and disadvantages, and ways to manipulate it, and ways it influences the sort of meta. And I sort of early on took on uh like none of these are bad; they just encourage different behavior. And a tournament organizer should know the type of behavior and games and armies they want in their game or scene and pick a scoring system that encourages that. So for me, I'm, I'm very much like scoring system agnostic, except that I generally think win-loss-draw encourages negative kings-of-war behavior. Like it brings out bad lists, bad play, etc. So that's the only one I'm really like against is a hard just win-loss-draw. Uh, that's it. So for me, it's, it's not like a like-dislike. It's just, oh, this has unique, interesting ways. Let's see how the best players in the US manipulate that for their advantage. Uh, I'm, I'm interested to see how it shakes out um, for these players and like if some of the criticism against it, the boogeymen that people always bring up when Northern Kings scoring is talked about actually show up in an event or if they're just sort of boogeymen that people talk about. So I'm, I'm just interested to see how it plays out.
1: Yeah, there's perks from both systems. You know, like for Northern Kings, when you're losing and you know you've lost, there's still ways you can eke out points. Like, I've lost this game. There's no way I'm paying back. But if I can claim that objective, that's a tournament point. If I can kill that unit, that can get me a point on the attrition scale. Whereas when I'm playing a blackjack game and I'm losing, it may be best just to minimize my losses because every unit of mine that they kill could cost me a point. So I'm just gonna tuck tail and run and you're gonna kill as less of my stuff as possible. So that I think that I think is a positive of, of Northern Kings um in that respect. Whereas with blackjack, maybe you like that defensive tactic of play. You know, maybe you know with Northern Kings you can just throw your units to the wind. Hey, if I lose it doesn't cost me any points. Whereas with blackjack, if I'm gonna make this charge with this expensive unit, well maybe I need to make sure it's a good choice. It can encourage more reserved play. You know, they're just different they're different systems, like you said, Brenton. Do you
3: do you hate do you hate Northern Kings as much as your other Texas people I've talked to?
4: The only thing I don't like about it for a Uh, theoretically super competitive even though even at masters like the pinnacle of of kings of war competition it's still super laid back and and fun environment but the only thing i don't like about it is the positive only and the potential for someone you know some shenanigans to happen at the end of the game because it is positive only you know like sort sort of some horse trading at the end yeah like like oh i killed you know you killed my dragon right yeah Mm -hmm. you killed this just giant in this troop right yep okay so that's a plus four what you know i don't think that's gonna happen it's probably silly to even worry about it but as far as you know using it in a master's event that that is my objection my
3: feeling is like yeah that's a very real possibility and if we are out here playing for money or this was like a magic tournament where people are making their living from this i think it's an exploitable system I just don't see that in the King's community. Like, I think there's a lot of exploitable systems in our tournaments that if people wanted a horse trade and cheat their numbers, there's ways they could potentially do it. So, yeah, that, that's when I am interested. Like, I always hear that argument get brought up. And part of me just wants to dismiss it. Like, yeah, we're not going to do that. Come on. Like, we're, we're a big room full of friends. Like, who's going to be that guy? Um, so I, I hope it's not an issue. Um, But it's definitely there, like you said, is there is potential for it. So, yeah, just be vigilant. If you hear some shit like that from the table next to you, tell a TO because I I don't, I do not want that. I have like a zero tolerance for that kind of thing. So, I, I would, you know. If you should absolutely. If you hear some people horse trading in Northern Kings, snitch on them. I will support you.
1: <laughs>
4: uh, yeah, I don't. I don't really think that's a, a real concern. What what the biggest concern with the scoring system, I think, is people trying to go for those like big maxed twenty five point wins, and then ending up losing. Like that was my fatal flaw last year when I was playing Tyler Schultz in the first round. Is I was I was trying to capture deployed to, to where I would capture every single objective and like get a big win and it ended up a couple things you know didn't go my way and all of a sudden I was lost so um one thing i think it was Joey Greek that said this to me and he's like his goal at masters is just to win you know 15-5 or whatever the equivalent is in northern kings you know just just get the victory and move on like if you're trying to win masters you're going to have to win all six games and if you win all six games you know you're going to be the master and so you know win win small i guess is is what i'm saying the temptation with northern kings is to go for those huge victories
2: yeah sort of that you know aim aim small miss small where it's like it's a lot easier to say i'm going to try to to take these three tokens of the five and you'll take those two and then i'll win than it is to try to devise a system to a game plan to take all five
4: yep exactly
2: well, we've talked about lists. We've talked about um, archetypes. We've talked about scoring systems. I know we haven't seen um, lists, you know, obviously haven't been turned in, et cetera, et cetera. But, you know, uh, just to give you guys an opportunity, you know, some of us may be up on the on the matchup cast, some not.
3: Tom hasn't turned in everyone's list yet.
2: Yeah, he hasn't turned in everyone's <laughs> list yet. But, but I, I think player-wise, I think it would be interesting. You know, we do know who is going. Uh that just maybe brainstorm a couple things. I mean, when I'm thinking about like momentum and list, I think it's pretty, the one player that comes to mind and we've mentioned him a few times is Adam Ballard. You know, he's, he's been playing a list, uh, that's super, that is undefeated, uh, that he's back to back battle champions at lone wolf, uh, which is a huge feat in and of itself. You know, uh, some players, maybe some lists that would struggle. You know, we were, I was hoping for the first Adam Ballard, Travis Tim matchup would be at a Masters, but you know, Travis is not going this year. But I mean, is there any outside of needing to know their lists, is there any sort of player stories or player narratives that stick out in your guys' mind as we go into Masters? I, I have
3: to take a moment and someone else answer as I rapidly bring up the player list again from a Facebook chat. So <laughs> this is me conference conference call style killing time so someone else can answer.
4: One thing to notice about the, the player pool this year is that a lot of regions, like it's it's kind of a strange uh, dichotomy. Like most of the people you expect to make masters in, in the regions are there, um, but there's definitely five to seven names who are not going to be here who in any other year would be and that's i guess for various reasons you know travel costs and and just other things like travis is having his his fourth child that day it's before it's Matter. babies yeah ever, babies. Ever,
3: it's like i think Shokin, travis probably some others it's just like it's the ancient wargaming curse it's really hard to fly to other cities and play toy soldiers when you just or are about to just have a kid yeah. uh, unless you're Tom Annis apparently
4: <laughs> but that has allowed some people that uh, don't always get to go they're shot at, at going to the masters, and so there's a, just a ton of i mean even even me i'm like I have no idea what these people play, and there's probably i don't know a eighth or so of the field that that is that type of player. Um, so I'm I'm happy and excited that they're getting a chance to go. You know, I guess one of the themes is like we've we've never had a repeat master. I wouldn't be shocked if Keith Conroy won again, but but there's just this player pool out there of people who have not won a Masters. Who, if they did, you know, I, you would not be surprised at all. So I'm thinking like like Dustin and Jeff O'Neill and Mike Zettelmeyer. Um you know people like that who is this their third year I mean, they've been probably every single year except for for one um and so is this the the year that some of the the big names get get the crown um so that's that's one uh theme that I see yeah, I definitely agree
3: with that theme around like when you look it's the who who has just missed or or had something come up or like we mention them every year um or some might say curse them every year uh so now we've cursed um adam ballard thanks for that jeremy you took the bullet on
2: calling him calling
3: (laughs) calling him out calling him out as the favorite and and cursing him that's that one's on you but yeah there's there's dustin there's like you said jeff who who is the terror of the southeast can he now terrorize masters is it going to happen Mike Zettelmeier is a, a really good shout. He had a really strong, I think, uh, was it New York Masters? Um yep. Yep. Where he had a, a terrifying sort of grindy Morgoth list that when you looked at on paper, you're like, I don't know. And then you see it on the table and you're like, oh, I see exactly how this works. And I do not want to fight that. And and this year is, you know, running, running through with the boogeyman army of the, the MSU Ogres. So those are some really good shouts. And again, sorry if I'm cursing people here. I, I think Garrett is another yeah, potential yeah. shout. The the mad scientist list builder who, you know, wins wins a fair number of best battle at tournaments, but because it's not usually best overall, um, I think sometimes it's painting. You know,
2: one riddle of steel, which had last year's master and last year's paragon. You know what I yeah. mean? So he navigated that field.
3: So I think, without cursing him too much, I think Garrett has some some strong lists and maybe some late breaking list ideas that could uh, do terrible things in a master's environment, especially in one that's focused on battle. Garrett's a good guy. So I'm, I'm not trying to besmirch his sports score, but I think sometimes his paint isn't at the level to win best overall, especially if like Texas folks show up with like really good painting and good battle. Uh, but I think for battle, he is a super strong competitor and, and a good guy. Um, so I like Garrett. I hope he wins. Um, and then looking down the list, there's uh Keith Randall as well as another sort of perennial masters player. Um Elf elf OG. So, Always the
2: bridemaid's elf and never the bride, yeah,
3: basically. If, if this is if this is the new, you know, the new elf meta, maybe the old elf master can show a lot of these late comers how it's done
4: <laughs> he, he has said to me that his he's perfected his elf list to be a twilight kin and sylvan kin killer so uh if you're playing playing elves you don't want to be playing elves against keats elves apparently and and i
3: i love the idea that he then plays like the twilight kin and sylvan kin are a third of the field and he doesn't play any of them
2: <laughs> but isn't it fitting though him being the elf player now all the hipster elf players is like his army will kill them so it's like either way he's like showing who the true the true daddy elf is you know he's but, he's
3: gay, he's gatekeeping all you youngins out of the exactly. elf scene
2: back in my day we used to be able to bane-chan our archer horn <laughs>
4: <laughs> um, another unique thing about this masters every single past master is here so Pat is here brad is here alex is here eric is here and keith is here so the five previous masters are all in attendance for the first time that
2: is fascinating ever. i hadn't thought about that yeah
4: i feel like there needs to be a
3: friday night mini tournament
2: <laughs> <laughs> bare knuckle uh, sumo like,
3: wrestling or something like like math- <laughs> masters division where they all come out and they each have to play their list from the old the old winning masters against each other yeah, the list the, they won the, in that yep. well then Brad's with, like
1: Brad, Brad,
3: No with yeah. with 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 rules at the time, so there's like <laughs> defense six, whatever, running around, vampires running
4: around that that would actually be a really good idea for Dash twenty eight. Uh, like a like a single fight night thing. That would be awesome.
2: Yeah. That would be interesting. Well everyone plays their list, but in the environment in which it won, with the staff <laughs> in which it won yeah yeah that would
4: be- <laughs> you know to put my my stink on the uh Ooh, picking the nice, love the smell it smells. i think i adam ballard I, I picked him last year he let me down now there was a an f a q that totally screwed his army in between me picking him and uh and the tournament so i i, yeah. I get a million can we for that.
3: Can we nerf Night Stalkers between now and Masters? Can we get that done?
4: Uh, I I tried. (laughs) But, you know, I'm not going to pick him because I I don't want to pick him two years in a row. That's kind of weird. I also don't want to do what I'm about to do and and pick someone from my own region as the favorite. Um, Do it. Dustin. uh, And I'm not going to say anything about his list that he's bringing, but it's going to be... It's a unique list. It's perfectly uh anti meta and and I think it's just he's been so close so many times in in this specific list this faction he's never played at masters if I have to pick again like we said last year it's a, it's a fool's errand and I'll probably be be wrong and he'll lose twice you know in the first two rounds again but he's my my favorite and then my dark horse if you want to do that is out of the southeast region And it's not Jeff O'Neill. He's not a dark horse anyway. It's Devlin, isn't it? Devlin Smith.
3: (laughs) Um, I'm falling apart. Hi. I'm 27 years young and I'm going on 42.
4: Uh, No, Nathan Clevenger. Um, Oh, yeah. Thinking about people who have been at the top almost every year and just for whatever reason, they they don't get talked about that much. Like Keith, the year before he won, Keith Conroy, he had a really, really good run. You know, Nathan had a we don't, really, really we don't. Run. We don't talk about Keith's run in New York. Yeah, we don't talk about that. that. Nathan's
2: part of it, you know, is like, it's like a thing, right? Where he's like, he's in Sons of Vulcan, right? With Jeff O'Neill and all these great top players. You don't realize, like, he is, he beats Jeff O'Neill all the time in their games. You know what I mean? So it's the same thing, like, Dojo. Like, the top people are so good, but there's like, there's a lot of skill beyond just like Dustin Howard. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I think Nate's a great ex- a great example of that too. Iron sharpens iron, you know.
4: Exactly. So I think that's that's my dark horse pick. Who knows? I don't even know what army people are playing. So <laughs> I know. And like this so early. That is a that is a bold-faced lie.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I don't. That's some like Jeff Swan level. Like I don't even know this army. Ugh, I don't. Yeah, uh, I don't yeah. even know what people <laughs> are playing. Hey
2: guy, I don't even know, man. He just made me the army list, and I played it. Check out my sunglasses. <laughs> hey guy,
3: I think Dustin is is a great shout. I you say he is playing a unique army. Part of me still thinks like it's going to be this really unique army, and then you look at it, and it's still like four monsters. And some really tough stuff and fits in a box. <laughs> it's like, it's really unique. And then you look at it and you're like, oh, it's a damn Dustin list and it's going to be tough to fight.
4: <laughs> What's unique um, about this one is he has that element in it for sure. Of uh, course. But he's got a completely different uh, other half of the army that he's never had before. So it's, so it's a Dustin army that shoots. Uh, and we're all screwed. <laughs> <laughs>
3: although his sorry his ice elemental list yeah. shot uh, before it surged so um.
2: it's so funny i can imagine britain now has the monocle and tom's his suit has been ripped off and he's like been captured by the arch villain and brenton is like you <laughs> will tell me what all these people are bringing <laughs> like it's like a james bond movie happening in my mind so i just say thank you
3: the thing the thing for me is it doesn't even matter because my list was set like six months ago and I've just been painting every day since, like no changes allowed. I think for my sort of Garrett might be my pick for Master. Sorry to curse you. Uh, Sorry for all the bad luck you're about to get. Um, (laughs) I think he's just really good. He has a a very good list or a couple very good lists he could potentially bring if he's not, you know, printing it the week before and painting it in the hotel room all night. I, I think he can do good things. So he would be my pick out of the kind of names for favorites. I always have trouble with dark horse because I think like, I will say a dark horse and people are like, that's not a dark horse. That's a favorite. So I'm, I'm kind of going further down the list. Uh, No, that doesn't work either. I was like, maybe he's my dark horse and he's a previous master. Um, (laughs) But I'm going to still make an argument for it. I think my brain's freezing Pat Allen, because he has been kind of messing around, taking fun lists for years or doing wacky doubles where they random deploy stuff. And has kind of been like, I don't know on Postmaster's holiday for a few years, but my impression is he's kind of like about that life again. <laughs> and is playing serious and bringing good, strong sort of Pat Allen style lists again. Um, so I think he's, he's a good shout to do really well. Again, it's it's dumb to pick a dark horse as a former master. So I will keep looking at this list and see if I have a, a darker horse. A dark horse.
4: No, I think that's a dark horse. <laughs> no, mean... There's no glory in picking a former master as a dark horse. I'll tell you, just to get some more people's names mentioned on the cast, um, my like short list of dark horses... Your stable? Yeah. <laughs> They're uh, Jesse Berglin in, uh, in the Midwest... He yep. has a super nasty Twilightkin list. He's probably the best Mikael player in the country. Um so he he's you know, someone who's always a really good general, but um that that would be a a, a big dark horse, but because he's just nobody ever talks about him. Grant Fetter in the same region with his I'm assuming he's gonna be taking his his all OE Basilians. That's the you know ninety eight degrees can't win masters. Sorry. <laughs> <That's> the, <laughs>
2: But I mean, that, like you said, that's a super list, and that's a list. And if he gets the matchups and he has the roles go his way, that list can just roll people, you know. So
3: yeah, Grant's an awesome dude. He is. I, I had not met him. I had just seen him on the internet, and then we met briefly. But like all the interactions I've seen with him have been super positive, and that's my way of being nice for what I'm about to say. Is you cannot let Texas Grant Fetter win master <laughs> <laughs> if, if he is about to and you're in that room like i don't want to see the next year of video challenges with him allowed to say as master
2: <laughs> and the funny thing is he did Texas grant and then afterwards he's like guys did i go too far i hope i didn't offend anyone i hope everyone realizes that was a joke and that's not really what i'm about and he felt really so that speaks to like his heart,
3: you know. It I am of, not offended by it at all. I okay. just, like, I just know that like it's fuel to the fire. He's he's a real estate agent. I could a hundred percent see him with like U.S. Master on business cards being handed <laughs> out at a GT,
2: like the the, 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 the urinal cakes and all the urinal yeah. of next year's Masters. <laughs>
3: just to troll people so we as a community cannot let his head get any bigger on this and and need to shut that down we need to shut it down but no he's a good shout he's a good player and also definitely up there in the paragon stakes i think so
1: yeah good call out for me i think i'm gonna be boring my pick to be master would have to be I'd have to be adam ballard yep, he won- yep. And then for Dark Horse, again, it's hard to pick a Dark Horse and Mastery because there's so many good players. But Corey Reynolds has always been really close at the top. Never won. Playing the new hotness, that's the new elves. And I I don't think he's won an event up there. But again, he's done really well. So I could see him. I feel like he runs half of them. Yeah, I, so, I could see him getting on a roll at Masters, and if he's on his game, I could see him winning. Totally, it. that's a good call out too, for sure.
3: I would love to see Corey win because that smile would just like power the Northeast for at least a year. When
1: like again, they... sorry for cursing anybody.
3: <laughs> so, yeah, that that's a good shout.
2: Well, awesome. We're going to we're going to take a quick break. And on the other side, we're going to do our final thoughts, some shout outs, and then we'll wrap up the show. We'll be right back.
1: Hey, this is Drew from King's Retreat. You're listening to Counter Charge.
2: And we are back. Well, awesome, fellas. You know, I think we looked at some armies. We looked at some play types. We looked at some players. You know, we, we had some some interesting stuff to pontificate about and and again we everything we say tonight is in the spirit of all the list matchup youtube videos or live streams or whatever in the end we're just all a bunch of nerds that really love kings of war and think about it way too much so uh this is just fun for us to get us and talk about and you know, don't take it personal if we named you or didn't name you. You know, this is all in just good fun. And this is really this episode. It's that's what Masters is about, right? It's just about hyping it up and getting excited. And it's it's just it's the Super Bowl, so it's just it's fun to just think about, right, guys?
4: Yeah, it's just something for you to listen to on the plane, you know, for two hours.
2: Painting that army, you know, something to listen. Yeah, to.
4: exactly. I also love that we have to apologize to
3: the people we mentioned. Because like no one wants to no one no one wants to be said they're the front runner for Masters. So it's like don't say my damn name, you yeah. son of a Oh, we said my name. <laughs> so, yeah,
2: like be right under the radar, right?
3: Sorry yeah. if we called you out for being a good Kings of War player Our bad.
4: There's yeah. gonna be sixty-three players just running, you know, simulations <laughs> against Adam Ballard at Night Stalker list now. <laughs>
2: Garrett and Tyler are playing already and they we haven't even released the episode. They yeah. just know and are playing
3: our our testing games as we speak. We've already done six games against that list. And yeah. This is our oh, ratio. God, I love
2: those guys. <laughs> yeah, that's just what I love so much about our hobby. I just love all these people, man. I just love people. And there's like this. I look at this list of uh, people coming and even the new people, I'm so excited to meet everyone. And yeah, and that's what I would say too, is for people who are new this year. Don't hesitate. Just come up and meet people. Come say hi. Come say hi to Britton. Come say hi to Tom. Or, you know, that's a, a great thing about our hobby is just introduce yourself. You know, we're all here to have fun. We all want the game to do well. You know, it's just uh, it's going to be a really inclusive environment.
3: Yeah, just come up and give Jeremy a a really awkward hug.
2: Not and, the and Devlin, not, not the Devlin kind of hug. We don't I'll, need to repeat that. But you can normal, go there. Uh, normal hugs
1: are fine
3: and <laughs> and feel free to give me a slap for whatever horrible thing I accidentally said in some medium
1: uh-huh. so
2: but any uh, as we sort of wrap up the show let's start with you Britton. Any any final thoughts or shout outs or anything coming up on your agenda
3: yeah dude I'm running a tournament Awesome do um, the
2: lowdown.
3: So I abandoned Jeremy and moved to San Diego and I took my tournament with me. So That is correct. Uh, we are we are running <laughs> Bay of Kings 2022 in San Diego, California on an unfortunate date for Tom Annis. I'm sorry we ran it in that time a while ago and we it's what worked out for us in the venue. So in the future I will try and be less conf- conflicty on dates. <laughs> But it is September 24th and 25th in San Diego, California. My big pitch is that San Diego is a wonderful place to be in September. A lot of the tourists have left, uh, but the weather is still amazing. And all the amenities of the great city are in full effect. It's a waterside venue that looks out on a little harbor on the bay. We're going to try and provide a bunch of food during it. A relaxed and friendly event that is going to be try and be super travel friendly. And new player friendly. So 1995 points to allow new players to get there a little faster and to tighten the belts on some of our experienced players and make them pick different lists. You know, it's a great city to visit with your family. We've got Legoland. We've got the world famous zoo and wild animal park. We've got all of what Mission Bay and Mission Beach and Pacific Beach have to offer around. Um, so yeah, come out. It will be a great time. If you need to know some specific logistics or need some help, just hit me up on any sort of media, social media or whatever. Um, and I will. we will help you out uh, with whatever your particular problem is. Rides from the airport, try and get you in touch with other people staying there for Airbnbs, food recommendations, places you can drop off your family to kill time while you game, whatever it is you need. Um, and more information can be found at Bayofkings.com. So yeah, I I hope to see people come out, start a legacy of a GT down in the wonderful America's finest city, San Diego.
2: And, you know, we really don't take for granted that when players come that are local to us to come to a a tournament in California is a journey. So we are going to take care of you, full stop. That's something that we really pride ourselves on as a region, that when you come to our events, you're going to have a good time. You're going to be treated well going to be taken care of so yeah i'm excited uh the 1995 is going to be super interesting to think about uh what to take at that level so yeah it's going to be a blast beautiful location beautiful venue beautiful uh zombie wizard to or whatever You're yourself <laughs> so, um, earlier. I,
3: I switched between a swamp wizard and a, swamp an wizard. abandoned abandoned lighthouse keeper are my two aesthetics right now. I need like an old oil lamp in the darkness. And uh, scary... Something
2: came up the other day, Britain, and I meant to send it to you. And it was like the picture of our very first game back in 2016. when We were just three little tikes at <laughs> heretic gamers and you were clean shaven with no gray in your hair. And yeah. <laughs> it, 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 with your scoring war machine BS. And here I am with my mounted defense, six vampires. And it was like, Oh man, I remember the days of your,
3: so. Yeah. Oh my my much beloved dwarf strategy of having bane chantable flame belchers <laughs> behind the lines it's that getting on score. a score. <laughs> <laughs> Pick up loot counters. <laughs> oh, geez. Um, but yeah, like like Jeremy said, we appreciate anyone that can travel out for the tournament. We know California events are far and you have to generally fly and that is a pain in the ass to do. So we are here to help you with that. Loner armies, rides from the airport, trying, like I said, trying to get all the, a bunch of the food provided. We're here to help out your experience because we appreciate if you can make the trip out. Um, and it is a great it's a great city to visit at that time of year so if you can tack this on to a larger vacation uh it'd be awesome so i hope i hope to see some people out for it if not this year then hey we can get you next year
2: so. totally totally well what about you tom any anything on your agenda any shout outs any anything coming up for you
4: well i won't totally steal your guys's thunder and, and <laughs> tell everybody about the other uh gt that's that same weekend but instead I, I'll just say how uh, excited I am to have Masters every year. You know, there's only 64 players are going, but it, it really is like the one big Kings or event, at least in the United States, that I think uh, everybody pays attention to and deservedly so. And so we're going to have, you know, the matchup cast, obviously that's coming. So I'd encourage everybody, even if you're not playing in the event to check it out, um, see some, interesting lists and and what some of the best players in the u.s think are are the best lists. that's always just inherently interesting you know i'm gonna have some dash 28 articles after the lists come out you know maybe just like a top five or, or interesting lists and then i know the the king of kings of war uh as i call him mike atkins is going to be doing live streaming um and and brian maybe you you're better than me to talk about this but um that's, that's going to happen too. So
1: yeah, yeah we'll have so, yeah. one table live streamed for sure. And it'll be a 4k camera. No, nice. so that'll be cool. We might have two, not sure. The second setup is in doubt because of logistical issues, but we will for sure have one with a 4k camera. And the second one, I believe if it's there will also be a 4k camera.
3: One or two tables. Like it'd be awesome if there's two tables, but even if it's one, it's going to be, it's going to be great. I've seen Mike rounding up commentators, getting people involved from the sort of larger dash 28 contributor community, plus your on site people. So it'll be great. Like I've, I've, I've felt really lucky sometimes to have like a lazy weekend when an event's going on, and you can pay way too much attention to that event. Totally. And the fact that there's going to be streaming tables from it with live commentary just adds to that sort of Super Bowl of Kings of War, at least in North America, feel. So I'm, I'm so happy that Tom mentioned that and that Ryan and um, the folks over Mike Atkins and such are making it happen. Uh, I don't know. I know there's people behind the scenes on your side, Ryan, that are helping, so yeah. I just don't know who they are, but thank you to them.
2: Yeah, and then you know, obviously, Countercharge. We're going to have a bunch of. We'll have the full recording studio. The full the recording studio is now set up where uh, Rob can take phone calls from people and add them into the stream. So uh, a lot of our content at Masters will also have outside guests calling in to do interviews. So we'll have other members of the Countercharge team recording who aren't on site. You know, we've also talked. We've been doing the Countercharge live stream on YouTube on Mondays. I'm really hoping to get a Friday night pre-masters live stream going where we're just all hanging out, talking about what we expect, you know, having people come and go. So stay tuned for that. Hopefully we'll have some live stream video coverage for you as well. Um, What about you, Ryan? Any shout outs or anything you you want to say as we head out of here?
1: Yeah, well, I want to give a shout out to Dan Miner and John McGrew for kind of running both events. I was totally down and willing to run them but Dan and John both stepped up and said no we'd love to do it so I get to play now so that's I'm super thankful for them Uh, Paul Forbes from Victoria Wargaming for bringing down the streaming setup Ricky Fisher for paint judging for a game that he doesn't even play and giving us that whole weekend I thought that was pretty cool and then uh, I also have a GT I'm going to be running it's uh, August 20th through 21st If you guys come up for Masters here and love it in the summer and want to visit again a month later, I'd love to have you up here. It's going to be a 2150 event plus a free regiment that will gain skills and stats as the tournament goes on for accomplishing objectives and killing units. Um, It's going to be at a game store. They have an event center that would be solely dedicated to us. There's food and drink on site. It's in the heart of downtown Bothell where I live. It's a great little city. Um, so, yeah, we'd love to have you. Um, other than that, yeah, thank you for everybody who's coming up. I look forward to showing everybody the PNW.
2: Awesome. Well, you know, I really I really appreciate you coming on, Ryan. Thank you for giving us all the details. Uh, thanks to my Scrying Gems. I feel like we're still at that part of the, the biopic of Jeremy and the Scrying Gems where we're still on the way up. Like, I, neither of us have had, like, our cocaine binge yet are like lost all our money i feel like we're still in like the height of the 60s fame of of jeremy and the scrying gems so let's keep that momentum going so that we don't we because we have the part of the biopic left where we fall and then we rise up like the phoenix so we're gonna have to fall eventually but i don't think we're quite there yet
3: yeah i'll get the silk jackets made Uh uh-huh
2: the uh uh, (laughs) jeremy and the scrying
3: gems logo on the back (laughs) I, i
2: love it i love it so we'll we'll do another one i really love these episodes with brenton and tom we'll do one we'll try to do another one after masters are when the next uh clash of kings pack comes out we'll we'll get together uh and talk all all that jazz so
3: the other interesting thing is there's uh northern kings i think are having a big event in the uk there's kings of memphis happening like i feel like kings is back in a big way with like the size of events firing And that like every couple of weeks, there's another, you know, 30 plus person event to look at and learn from. So that's been really exhilarating for the scene.
2: Back to feeling like every weekend there's something going on, right? Like we had Bayou Battles, like you said. They just had uh, uh, Blue City Brawl, Rob's Kings of Memphis. And and it's 36 some odd, almost 40 players signed Mm -hmm. up. So, yeah, I feel like the momentum is here. So it's gonna be interesting to see how as stuff progress over the next year how that gets channeled. But Masters is always an amazing time. Uh it's gonna be fantastic. Uh I am hoping I will not be painting in the car ride up and the and, and in the hotel. But I just gotta I you know I just gotta suck it up and get it done. So get it done. Yeah. There's no plan B. And that's what I gotta be is like, yeah, there is no points for second place, you know. So I, I need, I need, I feel the need, the need for speed. So it it's, doesn't uh,
3: matter if you finish by an inch or a mile; just finish. It's got to
2: get done. And I'm, yeah. I'm hoping too, like you get to that point where you start see, to see the finish line, and maybe you'll get that second wind. That's what I, what I keep telling myself yeah. anyway. I'm on, I'm on my seventh wind. So, <laughs> and it's just like I gotta figure out, it's like what's left to watch. So I gotta make sure that. I got all my watch stuff up. I got my my. Uh, uh, I've already gone through my MCU. I've gone through this. I've gone through that. So it's like, yeah. oh my god! So
3: that's the real problem I'm having right now. It's like yeah. watch so much stuff. <laughs> yeah. If anyone has any show suggestions or shout-outs for movies exactly. I need to watch again, hit us up because if I anyone I has feel any like
2: good binge worthy things. There's always silence. Place. Well, I, Seri- I didn't Serial know killer about, style. I, I, see, I, I can didn't can know do that do about Bruce, but it makes a lot of sense <laughs> now. That he's all like, you know, want to see my hobby room? Come this way. You know, and you're like, uh. You know? Art's Look, he's, like, he's
3: going to hate me, but part of me thinks he, he paints upside down like a bat.
2: Or like, <laughs> if you ever owned a game store, it would be called Sprockets. And when you walk in, he'd be like, this is the time on Sprockets when we dance. And then he'd just dance in his, like, leather clothes, you know? That would be... <laughs> and that's going to be something that like half our audience is like what the hell is sprockets what does that even mean <laughs> awesome. have.
3: <laughs> yeah that both the reference and like we're talking about a specific person in the community so yeah, there's so like,
2: like, like a double on told
3: like eight of eight of you think this is really great content and the rest of you have turned it off like, <laughs> are
2: like what you what talking about but well awesome fellas thanks again I really appreciate it and to remember as always keep Countercharging. Thanks
0: for listening. And we'll see you next time on Countercharge. Please let us know what you thought of the show by emailing us at counterchargepodcast at gmail.com on Twitter at countercharge15 or by commenting on the Countercharge Kings of War Podcast Facebook group. If you enjoy the show, you can help others find out about it by leaving positive reviews on iTunes. Until next time, keep countercharging. Music is a composition of Kevin McLeod and is licensed under Creative Commons.
2: Okay, so when you're ready, why don't you go first, Ryan? So, welcome to Countercharge. I'm Ryan Munsell. Brenton, you go. Tom, you go. And then I'll bring us in after that. Awesome. Well, we're going to take a quick break. And when we get back, we're going to hear all the details and logistics about. Okay. Well, we're going to take a quick break. And on the other side, we're going to hear everything about the Seattle.
4: Okay. We're going to kick it. Nailed it. Okay. (laughs) That's why they pay me the
2: big bucks. Awesome.